what's happening guys it's your boy paul aka mr what the footy your favorite podcast host guys i am back again for the final the final the final episode of season one of the what the footy podcast guys it's crazy to think that from a little idea that i had i've created 10 pieces of engaging and insightful content that that you guys are loving i've really appreciated all the feedback that i've got so far and i want to improve the pod for season two which should be back around about uh, June times, I'm going to do an end of season one episode to sort of give you guys more information about that and also do a season two trailer that will be coming up uh, nearer to the time when the pod returns. Guys, I hope you're not missing the football too much and you're keeping occupied, you're staying safe, you're getting involved in challenges, you're kicking toilet roll around your house, um, thinking of starting my own challenge as well more information about that follow the social handles on instagram particularly uh at what the footy footy f double o t i e today's episode i sat down with rich uh we spoke about the whole coronavirus situation within football and the underlying overarching theme behind the discussion was the commercialization of football and how this coronavirus situation has been a real wake-up call to club hierarchies and TV companies that they cannot keep on pricing football fans out of football. And I loved it, guys. I hope you, you love it too. Not like it, I hope you love it for the final time. I'm going to give this call for the final time for the season when I want to give this call. Guys, Download, subscribe, rate and review and tell a friend to tell a friend. Let's go. What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? Welcome to the What the Footy podcast. Rich, how you doing? Hi, Paul. Very well, mate. How's your your work from home setup currently looking like? <laughs> it's been looking pretty good, although uh, the quality of the wireless, uh, the Wi-Fi has been dropping out uh, a little bit. So I'm sat here talking to you with my laptop on my lap, where I suppose it should be, uh, but with uh, a very sort of circa early 2000s wired uh, connection oh set up God. into the modem. If it's any consolation, I'm currently in my car, uh, squished up, uh, recording this currently. Because uh, inside the house is like Piccadilly Circus, so um, so yeah. Um, Paul, nothing, su- nothing surprises me with you, mate. <laughs> Remain nimble, so uh, that's one of my sayings. So um, so yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So for those who don't know what your career within sport is, Rich, uh, just in ten seconds, just quickly tell the guys uh, your history within sport. Sure. So. Uh, back in back in the day, in the early 2000s, I had the good fortune to join uh, Sony PlayStation uh, as a initially working in the customer service department, and then I switched to the marketing department in 2005. I got a lucky break when a member of the team that I had just joined uh, left, and his job was the sponsorship manager. And so, within a few weeks of joining the marketing team at PlayStation in Europe. 
my boss came to me and said, um, Rich, would you like to manage the uh, PlayStation sponsorship of the Champions League? Oh, wow. That's absolutely a dream job, to be fair. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it, to be honest. I was so excited. Uh, so I was about 24, 24 and a half years old, and I, did, uh, I, was the, I was the sponsorship manager for PlayStation Europe for about two years, and I managed all aspects of PlayStation's sponsorship of the Champions League uh, for the 2005, 6 and 6, 7 seasons, culminating in the finals in Istanbul, the famous one, of course, in 2005, and then uh, Paris, uh, in 2006. Yeah, we're not going to talk I... about Paris. We're not going to talk about Paris because Paris still breaks <laughs> breaks my heart. But moving moving on uh, swiftly, um, guys. The Jens main... Lehmann. Jens Lehmann. What was he doing? Yeah. Well, oh, I'm not even going to go. I'm not even going to go into it today because it's just going to make me cry. But um, right. but um, yeah, just moving on. Um, I felt as yep. though, and this would be a really nice time in light of the coronavirus situation um to really speak about um what's going on within sport and i thought who better to get on here than rich um as you guys know based on what he's done within football working on the sponsorship side of the champions league and for those of you who don't know playstation is one of the oldest uh, sponsors of the champions league since 1997 if i'm correct rich um, and um, I thought it'd be a great time to just find out more about the business and commercial angle behind it all. Um, so just first of all, Rich, what, what's been your whole take on, the, obviously, the whole coronavirus situation? Obviously, me and Rich aren't health experts. We're just two big football fans. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, well, it feels like everybody's suffering, doesn't it? And, you know... Uh, particularly when I think about what the general public must feel towards professional sports people, what a great life they have, um, what an amazing job, uh, the salaries can be obviously really high. I think right now everybody has that same uncertainty, uh, whether you're a professional footballer or you work for a, a, a travel agent or an airline, um, everyone's feeling the same. You know, At the end of the day, a job's a job. It's it's their livelihood playing football as much as it is for us, whatever we do. Um, and I think everybody's just absolutely dying to see football get going again. Um, but it just feels so uncertain. Um, the one thing I think that is important, and I, I don't know if I talked to you about this last week, mate, but mm. um, what definitely doesn't look like it's going to work is playing sport in stadia that are empty. And that's and and that actually leads on to. So what I want this this whole um, sort of half an hour that you've got to really focus in on, and it's the whole idea is has commercialization has the commercialization of football essentially taken the game to to a whole other level? Because um, as as everyone's aware of, obviously the coronavirus situation has been going on for the past month or so. Um, some games will of course play behind closed doors, and it just begs the whole question of has commercialization driven us to a point whereby pretty much the football has to just continue? Because I, I read, uh, I think it was the other day, that um, if the Premier League is cancelled, uh, the Premier League are going to have to pay the TV companies £762 million pounds, uh, due to breaking TV agreements. So what's your sort of take on this in regards to has commercialization in the business side of things driven us to a state whereby it's football or nothing? 
it definitely feels like there is some serious pressure on different parts of the sports industry to deliver, if you like, quote unquote, a product and with not enough thought as to what that product actually is and what it looks like and how credible it is to the fans. It's, it seems to be a case of, you know, we just need to get it finished for, let's say, insurance reasons, for broadcasting rights reasons, as opposed to let's get this finished because it's the right thing for the fans. Mm. And thinking slightly outside football, as I've been following the news over the last week, slowly but surely you've seen each different sporting organisation or body pretty much come into line and, and postpone or cancel events. Um, you can see the ones almost that have more difficulty com- like admitting that they have to do it because they've been a bit slower. And I think the one that strikes me as uh, currently, or if you like, being outstanding in that regard, as in, and not an outstanding in a good way, I should say, is the Olympics. Mm. Uh, look at the Olympics. You know, they, they are trying every single possible thing, not to say, you know, yeah, we know it probably needs to be cancelled. And I think the fans of sport in general see through that, and and they 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 think to themselves, yeah, you're you're not you're, you're only you're you're only not saying it's off because you, you know, you're worried about the deal you've got with the IOC or the broadcasters. Uh, I don't feel like, and actually the Olympics is a good example, and, and also football too. But the the people who seem to be the the lowest down the priority would be. And it doesn't matter which one of these is in which order, the fans and the actual athletes. Yeah, of course. Of course. And I was just, just about to jump onto that because um, I think it was earlier today I read uh, Gary Neville talking about what could be done within the situation. And we've heard loads of people debating it throughout the course of the last like week or so, whether it's playoffs, whether uh, the league being null and void, whether it's um, just taking it as the current standings. And it's the, this whole idea of yeah, like, we're going to rush and play these games, but right at the centre of it all, um, fans aside, is, of course, the athletes. And these are athletes who are currently going to be off for a while. I think I think I even saw the other day that uh, some Premier League teams aren't going to resume training until March the 30th. Some haven't even specified a date. So it's almost like people are making provisions or hypothetically making provisions in a, in a, in a state whereby footballers might not even be fit. Um, and it, it just hones in on the point that the game has, has in my opinion, uh, got a bit too commercialised. And um, and it'd be good to know, what do you feel like has been the main drivers behind that? Because the main reason why I've really put on this podcast is because I, I believe that fans needed to know more about what happens behind the scenes within football. And it'd be great to know, to give the listeners some real value, what's been the drivers behind the game becoming like this? Well, the, the thing that strikes me, of course, is the, the huge explosion in the, the, the rights packages. So the, the, the TV deals that become available uh, that, that, have been, that have been negotiated and have, have driven the explosion in, uh, in salaries, uh, in sponsorship deals, uh, to the point where you can see clubs who are, you know, financially, for, for, for all intents and purposes, financially insolvent, but uh, continue to carry on uh, based on, you know, one single source of revenue alone, that being the TV deals. Uh, you know, you don't have to be 
a, a, a sort of a Nobel Prize winning economist to figure out that in this current climate, if, uh, if sport, sporting events continue to be postponed or cancelled into the future, uh, you're going to have those issues over the rights packages not being fulfilled. Mm. Um, you know, and, but then, of course, let's say you, you or I, uh, let's say you, you or I have Sky Sports or BT Sports at home, um, we're still paying on a monthly basis for those pretty expensive sporting sporting packages through our TV service, um, yet we're not being delivered any of the sports. So are we due a refund? Um, it, it, there's so many questions to be answered, in my opinion. There's there's so many, and and even even another thing that that was that got me thinking uh, just just earlier earlier today is the whole idea of right now like I don't know about you I've got Sky Sports subscribed to BT Sport as well go to the odd game whenever I can and have the free time and it's, it's almost like as a, as a consumer you're paying all this money I think the pr- the price of like year on year it costs seventy six pounds a month to subscribe to all live Premier League games on average. And if you look at the cost of that alone, considering right now there's no football that's currently on, uh, no live football, what other value are the broadcasters providing to the, to the end consumer? And it's almost like you being a marketing guy, I've never really understood why why the broadcasters or why not the Premier League have provided a service beyond just live football to entertain the fans. And in a time like this, we can clearly see how the lack of content within just Premier League football and football in general is really coming coming alive. And even I read earlier today as well, because there's so much news flying about, you can't miss it. A lot of BT customers are, are, are quite upset due to the fact that they're, they're paying and, and there's no football. Yeah, well... Um, I don't know about you, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't know about you, Paul. But when I when I signed up for, for Sky Sports, I wasn't paying for you know back to back episodes of the Premiership years running twenty four hours a day on uh, on Sky Sports. As good as good as that, you know, nineteen ninety seven or nineteen ninety nine season might have been. I think uh, most 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 consumers would feel the same. It, I've, I, it hasn't taken me too long to flick over to the sports channels in the last week or so. Rolled, rolled, rolled through all the different channels, including BT Sport as well, and realised that there is very little on. Um, and uh, you know, when when Amazon signed that deal with the Premier League to show the games, what was it over Boxing Day and then another another yeah. match day as well? Yeah. Didn't it didn't it work out as something like wasn't it about a million pounds a game that they paid? Um, it just it just feels completely unsustainable. Uh, and and you're right. I mean, if if all of the fans are now at a time where there isn't live football and indeed live sport in any event on, and they turn on those sports channels to see stuff that frankly doesn't get them particularly excited, then this entire episode will cause more and more fans to question, you know, why am I paying that? As you said, the seventy-six pound a month year on year. What am I actually paying for? Because when it when you know, when, when the when the live sport is not on that feels like there's very little value. So from a marketeer's point of view, uh, point of view, as you were asking me, the, the marketing departments of anyone re- regarding live sport now is going to be very, very concerned. I would imagine there'll be a little bit of panic stations at some of these, uh, some of these companies. Um, and, and, and that's why I mentioned that point earlier about the, the empty stadia option. You know, the, people will be sat around the table going, right, how can we fulfill these games? And, and they'll mm. say, well, we'll just put these, you know, we'll, we'll, I don't know, this is just my own thinking, but let's we can isolate the players, everyone that's going to be in the stadium, we can isolate them, isolate them for 14 days and then they can all go and play the game. Mm. But 
I, I, I think I watched 10 minutes of, of Man United's game whenever it was last week or the week before when they played in the Europa League yeah. um, in an empty stadium. And I also I also watched a bit of a, a one-day international cricket match between Australia and New Zealand uh, last, I think, end of last week, and it was in an empty stadium. Yeah. And it was such an awful experience. So I, for, for all the fact that, you know, you feel and many others feel that fans are getting a raw deal uh, in, in from certain sports, particularly in your case, football. I do think that this entire episode is going to strengthen the hand of fans in relation to live sport because without fans in those stadiums, Football's it's nothing. really, really boring. And, and and I think based on based on what you've just said there, I feel like this this time has been a real wake up call, especially those those games behind closed doors. Um, it's been a real, it's been a real wake up call for for the guys within the club hierarchies, within within the guys within TV that that they cannot keep on pricing football fans out of football because um, yeah. football and sport in general is nothing without fans and fans are the lifeblood of sport and you could even see it for example like I, I watched a bit of the uh, Borussia Dortmund and PSG game. Uh, uh, Holland, uh, a Dortmund player, came out said after it was absolutely. I'm not going to speak the level of French that he was speaking, but um, he was saying it was absolutely <laughs> atrocious uh, playing those games. LeBron James said that if they'll suspend the league or play it behind closed doors without fans, that he wouldn't play. And it just reinforces yeah. the point. It's, it's a wake up call to the people out there that stop pricing fans out of football and continue to think about fan engagement. And uh, which, which leads me to the question of um, within your time, obviously at UM at working at PlayStation, did you ever watch a game behind closed door or or experience that as an end consumer? So I I, I did actually. I can't. I was trying to rack my brain. I was looking through all my notes and my old tickets. <laughs> I I think in the two thousand and five two thousand and six season. And uh, apologies, I didn't do my. I didn't do my homework before we chatted today to look up what it was, but I, I'm absolutely sure there was a game played behind closed doors in the 2005-06 season, um, and I'm sure I, I'm sure I was there because I think I remember speaking to someone at the the the, the company that the, the company that runs the Champions League for UEFA. I don't know if you you know this is a company called Team, based in Switzerland, um, and. Uh, I seem to remember asking someone there, "Can you? I'd love to go and, and see what it's like, just just to sort of see how you know surreal the atmosphere is." Um, no, I remember going to the game, and it was just so weird. It was so weird. Uh, it, it just it had absolutely no. There was there was no atmosphere. There was no passion. Um, it was like a sort of sterile environment. Absolutely uh, no, no no sort of sensation of the importance of the game it could have i could have been watching you know a, a game at the local park watching the under 16s run around <laughs> or something like that yeah uh, come watch me so play it, next it, time instead yeah what was that might as well come and watch me play instead it, it, it was, it, i imagine it was a similar level ball um, <laughs> and uh yeah I, I i remember thinking wow okay it was an, it was a sort of once in a lifetime opportunity to see that sort of game but it, it left me thinking you know, what on earth is the point? And, you know, just on that point, as you will have experienced going to these live games, when I think about my sort of top two or three sporting events that I've been lucky enough to attend live in my life, they were, the, the, the experience was only as good as it was because of 
the, the fans in general, the people, you know, the, the people like friends or family, whatever it was that I was sat next to. Uh, yes, of course, the result was incredible, but it was the atmosphere that made it uh, what as special as it was. On that point, there you're speaking about how the atmosphere made it what it is. If you yeah. if you held the held the power right now, um, mm-hmm. and for me anyway, I believe that this pandemic that's currently going on right now is bigger than football and more important than football. Um, but if you had the power, what would you decide to be done with the rest of football for the rest of the season? Because there is there is talks of, obviously, the Euro uh, 2000, 2020 has been pushed back to next summer. Um, it would mean, of course, that players will play. Obviously, the World Cup will be in December in Qatar the following year. Mm-hmm. So two tournaments on the bounce there. Um, yeah. What would you do in this situation? Well, yeah, it's a great question. The, they, they, the, the, there clearly needs to be a way uh, to to finish, and I use that word carefully, the, 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 the relevant leagues. Mm. Now, whether or not that involves playing all, you know, in the Premier League's case, 38 games, feels highly unlikely because, of course, the... It, depending on how long this goes on for, uh, will it'll run into next season, and then the players, you know, there'll be issues. Over, you know, there's already far too, there's already too much football being played, right, from a, from an athlete's point of view. So you wonder how they're going to possibly play even more. So do you do you look at shortening a future season so that you can play this one out? Uh, the the honest answer at the moment, Paul, given how this situation with the with COVID-19 is changing on a daily basis. I, I, I just don't know what the answer is. Yeah, it's but so true, yeah. It definitely does not involve playing more and more and more games because you're absolutely right. This this feels like it is so much bigger than any particular sporting event. Uh, and, it, you know, if the, if the numbers in terms of people getting ill and tragically losing their lives, if those numbers continue to go up, then sport will feel less and less, and less relevant. Yeah, and and do you know what it is like if if I if I have had my uh, mystic Meg hat on, I I would probably say that if football was to resume, which I think is very unlikely uh, in my opinion. Um, I would, I would almost go as far as say that it might have to be a case whereby, when the, when the players do come back and get fit and are ready to play again, and um, that it's only the league and the domestic <clears throat> FA Cup, the uh, FA Cup Champions League will probably have to get cancelled. Um, they probably have to do something along those lines because there's about like nine or so games left within the season. Um, yeah, Champions League games left, FA Cup games left. Players will need a pre-season before going into a new season. It's, yeah. it's, just, it's just the whole mess. Um, but why? Yeah, well, yeah if, go on. If you, uh, the one thing I was, I was saying, and, and again, I, I know I'm struggling to give you a good answer because at the moment it just feels too up in the air. There's just too many things happening with regards to, to the situation. But if you, if you look at the, the, the major sporting events that have taken place uh, throughout the 20th century, if you look in the history books and you look at the winner of the relevant event each year and you look at you know there's there's typically less than let's say between 1900 and 2000 maybe just a handful of years where 
events weren't played, and those were the those were the fir- the, the years wars, of the First yeah. World War and the Second World War. Yeah. Uh, and it genuinely feels like one of those moments where the history books are going to have to record something in relation to it being cancelled. Now, of course, a bit like what you were saying earlier, in nineteen between nineteen fourteen and nineteen eighteen and nineteen thirty nine and nineteen forty five, yeah. you know, the broadcasters didn't have huge TV rights deals to 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 fulfil, but um, it, 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 it's it's hard to imagine a situation right now, as I talk to you, where the result from any of the tournaments this year is anything other than a just an asterisk, you know. Mm, yeah, no, no, I hundred percent agree with you. I hundred percent agree. I think it's definitely, like you mentioned, akin to the to the two world wars, and yeah, as much as it's heartbreaking for for the teams that have come up, that are looking to come up this season. Um, yeah, bigger than football pitch. One question that we always ask all of our guests is what the footy needs to change within your space. And sort of in regards to yourself, um, what the footy needs to change in regards to how sponsors, club hierarchy, the commercial guys behind the scenes, how they interact and engage with fans and keep fans at the centre of the game? In my opinion, there need to be more and more people going into the administration of football teams that have a background in having been players and or been fans. Mm. Uh, the the commercialisation of sport and in particular football has meant that you instead of having people in the top tables of the boardrooms that are running the game that have a history of potentially having come through through the as as being fans that you know more often than not they 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 are they're commercial people they're accountants they're auditors they're tax lawyers they're consultants marketeers god forbid um that the the link has been lost between those making the decisions and those who for the majority who follow the teams and the sooner that clubs and the, the, the sooner that clubs take more people on board who have a direct link between the following of that that, that team day in day out and the management of that team mm. the better things will get are you are you pitching yeah. for a job here rich yeah absolutely yeah i'll uh, I'll, I'll send you my cv over after this right <laughs> uh, awesome but but honestly like i feel like you're 100 spawn because if, if i look at the setup that a team like Ajax Football Club have with, with Edwin van der Sar, club legend there, came through the academy in the system there, and he's their CEO, <laughs> and they're still building that same that same very philosophy that brought him through, and he's at the helm of yep. it, running it, dictating it, and it's it's brilliant, it's brilliant, and it's beautiful to see. Um, yeah, but Rich, well, oh, his, his, yeah, go on. His, his two, here's two examples for you. I oh, yeah, your example. Yeah. you know exactly what they, you know what they stand for as a club. You know what their values are. You know the people that are running the business or running the football club mm. know those values inside out. But yes, Rich, absolute pleasure to have you here for the final episode of season one of the What the Footy podcast. Um, yeah, for those of you who don't know, obviously. When I wanted to start the podcast, Rich played a key role in helping me push it forward and even starred a lead role uh, in my pilot episode that a few of you guys listened to. Um, it's crazy to think that off an idea that I had and spoke to a few people, I've come out with 10 awesome episodes. And Rich, I couldn't think of a better person to share the final one of season one with. Um, 
yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, guys, thank you for tuning in to the final episode of season one of the What The Footy podcast. Big shout out to all the guests that have come on the pod so far this season, from Jules at Arsenal Fan TV, to Royce with the Elite Project Group guys, to Mark at Rock Nation, to Rich uh, from PlayStation. Guys, I've absolutely loved every episode. To all my listeners uh, who listen to the pod, wherever you are, guys, thank you so much. And remember to download, subscribe, rate and review and tell a friend to tell a friend. End the season one party is coming out soon. Probably do that next week, Monday. Um, Guys, yeah. Thank you very much. And let's go. What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? Guys, download, subscribe, rate and review. And Rich, what should they do? They should. <laughs> I have no idea. You haven't set me up. Oh, he's, he's, he's fluffed his lines. He's fluffed his lines. Um, you've, you've stitched me up. You have stitched me up. So then I dropped some garlic and croutons on there, and the rest is salad history. I made the best salad ever, people, and now I'm making the best app. The Caesar Sportsbook app got live in-game betting, parlays, and Caesar rewards. Caesar salad ain't got nothing on my app. Nothing. You must be 21. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat 1-888-532-3500. Download the Caesar Sportsbook app. Your app is ready, Emperor. Minute Maid slushies are back at McDonald's. And if you'd like to thank me for that information, I'll gladly take a slushie. It's more than a drink. It's a McDonald's drink. Right now, treat yourself to a small Minute Maid slushie, like the new strawberry watermelon flavor for $1.59. Or try small McCafe frappes and smoothies for just 2 bucks. Price and participation may vary. Limited time only. Minute Maid is a trademark of the Coca-Cola Company.